The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello. Oh, hello. Corey, how are you doing? I'm okay. It's Wednesday night. I've more, I'm more than halfway through the week, and I can make it. How about you? I am kind of sick, and I am you know, anticipating my travels to South by Southwest, and <sighs> um, you know, looking forward to that. I wish I wasn't sick going to it, but you know, I'll be, I will tough it out, I hope. You're going to do great. You're going to go get coldies, and you're going to get all these different things, and you're going to feel so much better. I just know it. I hope so. I hope so, because uh, I've got a busy week ahead of me. I'm already a little stressed out because, like, there's so many different movie theaters housing the festivals. So, like, just getting to each one and, like, calculating, like, okay, so there's a 15-minute start time difference from the end of this movie to the next movie. Can I make it, you know? (laughs) So that will be uh, fun to see how quick it takes me to figure out all the routes and stuff. Do you already have your tickets for the shows, or how does that work? Uh, you have a badge, and um, okay. it's kind of like Disney Disney World. Um, we get a, two express passes a day oh. that you use on the app, and you request them the day before. So you can pick two movies that you really want to see, and you're guaranteed access to those two. And everything else is standing in line and hoping you can get in. Holy shizzled. Um, okay. But press for uh, for film. Uh, it's not press. I'm sorry. Uh, film badges and platinum badges have priority seating. So like you get sat first. And then if there's spots left, the people with music badges or the comedy badges can go into the movies. And same thing. Like I can go to concerts with my film badge, but oh. I get let in after the music badge. So like first they let everyone in with the music badge. Um, I, I did, Corey, just to make you a little more jealous. I, I've not, I don't think I'm going to do this, but I got an invite to this. Um, oh, I can't think of what the musical artist is. It's some, somebody's bus. I can't think of whose bus it is. And they do like, I, I don't quite understand it, but it was this invite that I could like via or RSVP that I wanted to go. And one of the artists is Hanson. Oh my God. So dear listeners, Dear listeners, I have loved Hanson since 1997, I think. I don't talk about how old I am, but I'm pretty sure that was the first CD I ever bought. Mm. Like, my own first CD. <laughs> I didn't and realize I that, just, actually. I just love them. And I still listen to Snowden every Christmas. Sorry, husband. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, I'm so jealous. Well, I didn't say I was going, but I did get the I know, uh, the but you had the opportunity. Yeah, yep. I would embarrass um, everyone around me. I was tempted to like, cause I'm like, man, if I could interview them, that would be hilarious. Cause you would be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> You're mean. I want everyone to hear this. Oh, John Lennon bus featuring RZA. <laughs> That's what it was. Hanson, a band I can't stand. And then a bunch of bands I don't know because I guess I'm getting old. Oh, is that RZA? Yeah, yeah RZA's RZA. in there too. Yeah. Sorry, I was like RZA, and I was like, no. I'm guessing not they're not together. Like it's got to be different days or something. Like the email was pretty extensive, but um. But Doug Loves Movies is doing two recordings there, and I am very excited to try to at least see one of those. I'm still hoping that he's going to have me on as a guest. I'm, I'm waiting for Jordan to pull some strings, but uh, so far, not looking likely. But that's a, that's a dream of mine, is to be on Doug Loves Movies one day. So, um, 
Before, we're going to be reviewing Crash from 2004 as part of our month of Best Picture winners. Um, because we're we're trying to watch some of the best picture winners that we've never seen, and Crash is one from it won the best picture in two thousand six, even though it has a release date of two thousand and four. So I'm guessing it must have debuted somewhere, but still met the criteria to be a two thousand and five movie, so it could win the two thousand and six Oscars or something. I haven't done any kind of digging on that. Um, I also had wanted to read some other reviews about Crash, but I did not get a chance to. In fact, uh. I just watched the movie about two hours ago, so Holy it's still, hell. still pretty fresh in my brain. Um, yeah, I came home from work and immediately watched Crash. And um, But before we get into our review of Crash, we'll real quick talk if we've seen anything else. So have you watched anything lately, Corey? Um, yeah. Um, I watched Wind River, which was mm. so good. I like so that good. So good. Um, and very, like, I... There's something about me where when I go into like watch a movie and I know what the movie's about and then I still am just like so shocked about what I'm shown on the screen. I'm like, is this really happening? And I know that's an issue with me, but and I also watched we can't talk about it yet, but I watched the Chris Seavey. Mm, that's right. There will be Sorry. a future episode coming out, but we are under embargo, so no talky talks about that for the moment. Um I feel so and then, important. And then Crash? Yep. And I thought I watched something else, <laughs> but I can't remember. But guys, it's only Wednesday, and that's impressive. Well, I, I had a weird... I was uh, getting a lot of stuff graded this weekend, so I, I ended up binging a couple of TV shows, which I don't usually do. Um, but I watched all of uh, Everything Sucks on Netflix. Have you uh, heard or seen of this show, Corey? Only what you and Mike have talked about. I... It definitely it, I I have not watched all of Freaks and Geeks, but <gasps> I know. But it, I've seen I've seen a couple of episodes, and it reminds me of that to a very small degree, like not a lot, just a little bit. The interesting thing is, it's set uh, the group of freshmen that you're following in high school uh, are their first year of high school is 1996, which was my first year of high school. So um, that was kind of cool for me. It is heavy nostalgia, um, 90s nostalgia especially, like almost too much where it's it's a little a little much at times where you're like, wow, guys, calm down. You don't have to make a reference every second. But the characters are endearing and it is totally worth watching. Um, it is, I would say it's a comedy, but there is some dramatic elements for sure. So don't go in expecting it to just be all fun and games. Um is clearly influenced by the success of Stranger Things, although it has no supernatural elements. It is a much more grounded, like, sitcom. Um, it's more sitcom-oriented because it's a, it's a half-hour show, which is why it was so easy to binge. I ended up watching 10 episodes in a day. Um, didn't mean to, but I was working the whole time, so I just had it on the background. But it, it pulled my attention more often than not. Um, and then I ended up finishing the new Amazon series, The Tick, uh, season one, part two came out, uh, I think last week and I finally got to it. I really like that series. Um, I'm meaning to write a review of both of these. I just have not had a chance this week. I am super busy preparing to leave. Um, but I still managed to watch a couple of movies, uh, Red Sparrow, Death Wish, The Party. Um, I watched all this week and then today I watched Crash. So, <coughs> excuse me guys, I am sick. I think I mentioned that once or twice already. <laughs> You there, Corey? I am. All right. Well, um, 
before we move into the review real quick did you watch the oscars no i don't ever watch the oscars i watched some clips later on though and okay has everyone seen the meme for ladybird i couldn't find it just tag everyone and send it to them but they some it was pretty much from the movie that part where well i gave it to myself oh. <laughs> ladybird's like this is my oscar were you awarded that oscar i gave it to myself <laughs> <laughs> I, that's because they won they didn't what did they win they didn't win anything unfortunately that's what i thought and then i was like no that's got to be wrong so everybody at the academy or whatever you're wrong mm. well i mean to be fair uh they were like they lost best original screenplay to jordan peele and get out um, I know you weren't a fan of Get Out, but I do. Nope. I like that movie. A lot of people like that movie, and um, I am a fan of Jordan Peele, so I'm glad he won. I, I would have loved for Greta to win, or I would have loved for Kamel and and Emily to win for The Big Sick. <sighs> um, Saoirse Ronan could have won for Best Actress, but Frances McDormand did, and they that, were both great. It's true. And then, but I uh, go ahead. Wanted- them to get something i wanted I did them too. to get something i wish i mean i would have loved for her to get best director but guillermo del toro got that and i would have loved best picture but shape of water got that you know they're all you know good one one award per movie no i'm kidding um yeah <laughs> everyone but... gets a participation trophy <laughs> that's what you get <laughs> everyone come up for your statue um but i think it's really funny i love shape of water and i already got that <laughs> shit like pre-ordered but i think it's really funny all of these other directors and writers that are that have come out of the woodwork and have pretty much said that he's stolen their story and some of it yeah i like read and i'm like you what are you talking about they're moving in this scene and they move in that scene like how how are you even getting that i haven't read anything but i'm oh my god john john oh what's his name god that did delicatessen and oh um john paul Jean-Pierre Genois. Yes, I'm pretty sure he said in that like that art that part in uh, Delicatessen when they're like sitting on the bed and like moving back and forth to find the broken spring. He said that he stole a scene from that. He stole that scene, and I watched both scenes. Huh. And I am sorry. I think you're nuts, and I'm rambling. I'm sorry. But um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's it's hard to tell when someone does successful, people want to claim part of it, and they might have legitimate claims. I will point out, while he won Best Picture and Best Director, he did not win Best Original Screenplay, um, and so that controversy will be avoided, I guess, for that reason. But Ooh, um, I didn't know that. I mean, it's still he could still have legal repercussions. I just mean like they won't say he doesn't deserve the award or nothing because directors direct other people's screenplays all the time, and so. Mm-hmm. You could you could argue that well he still would have got that regardless of the plagiarism, if of course he did plagiarize, which I hope he didn't. But, um, I think that's enough Oscar talk because I'm sure everyone's by the time this is out, Oscars are a week old. So, um, let's get into Crash. Let's look at the uh, the stats. Crash came out in 2004. Plot summary: Los Angeles citizens with vastly separate lives collide in interweaving stories of race, loss, and redemption. Um. Directed by Paul Haggis and also written by Paul Haggis. And I believe this was his directorial debut from what I just read. Um, and it has a lot of people in it. Uh, Don Cheadle, Sandra Bullock, um, Matt Dillon. Uh, I was surprised to see Brandon Fraser in this. Um, or it's Bre- Brandon Fraser. And uh, 
Michael Pena, and there's a couple other people whose names are not popping in my brain right away, but wow, this wow, this guy's got a lot of credits. Um, Ludacris. Oh yes, cannot forget Ludacris. Uh, um, Terrence Howard. Um, Ryan Phillippe was surprising to see. A uh, little cameo by Tony Danza and uh, Keith David, both were just like in one scene. Uh, Jennifer Esposito had a pretty large role. William Fickner, who's a very familiar face, but not necessarily a familiar name. Um, I think that's the gist of the big cast that I recognize, at least. Um, yeah, it is the Best Picture winner, again, from 2006. Um, this is possibly the only time I remember not liking Sandra Bullock, by the way, in a movie. like, And not necessarily her, but like the character she's playing, for sure. Um, I just feel like we need to get right into spoiler warning. Well, we have to give at least a little bit of what do we like? Uh, is there anything you like? Is there anything you don't like? That isn't a spoiler, obviously. Um, what do you I didn't, think? I didn't come away from this movie hating every single person. I still hated them. But I thought there was a little bit of redemption. Not that you could write some of the wrongs in this, but I was kind of surprised by the actions of some of the characters in the movie. Um this movie is so racist. Like, yeah. not, like, necessarily the movie, but all the characters at the beginning. And that really threw me off. I was not expecting that at all. Um, so that just wasn't a good feeling going right in. Um, yeah, racism is definitely one of the big uh, discussion points that this movie is making. I don't really know that it's saying anything, but it's definitely pointing out that racism exists and is rampant um, in L.A. at this time. And um, I was surprised. See, I like skipped this movie. I can't believe it was 2004. But I remember when it came out and it was in the theaters and everyone was talking about it. And I was just like, eh, you know. Um, I was. So I forgot about the whole cast in it. Um, I didn't. I don't want to even say that I hated it. But I feel like this is a hard movie to, like, ever rewatch again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't think I could sit through. Um, I wouldn't want to sit through it again. There is some interesting um, stuff with the story, uh, how it all, some of it, I don't know, um, some of it feels a little too silly. Like, I could see why when it came out it felt very original, and that that is always contextual um, when it comes out and nothing else is like it versus now. I feel like other movies have done similar things. Uh, as far as weaving stories and whatnot, because it it starts in the the present time, but then we go back a day and we go through what seems like way more than a day, but it's supposed to be a day. Yes, I thought that was interesting because I feel like most of the time when we go back in time, it's a much bigger gap. Not like oh, yesterday. I don't know. When the, even there was that oddity of the beginning because we, we joined Don Cheadle and um, Esposito in a car accident and he says this kind of way too on the nose line about the word he is, it fits the word crash into it he says um, talking about how in other big cities you're always bumping into people and you're always in contact but in LA you're just so distant from everybody that you you long for the touch and you just crash into each other so we can feel something which is about accurate to what he said. I, I didn't like pause it and like rewind it and listen to it again. That was just from my initial hearing of it. I tried to sc scribble it down, and um, I thought that was like way too on the nose to start off. Like, like yeah, here's the name thought, of the movie. Yeah, I, I okay. So I am taking interpersonal relationships. 
or interpersonal relations, you're all welcome. I'm going to be a better friend, I hope. But we just learned about haptics in class and the use of touch in nonverbal <laughs> language. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I, and when he said that, I did kind of, when you like think of LA, I don't think of like the running into each other or like, I don't know. It's so different from what I think of with like New York. Mm-hmm. I just, people yeah. always, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, my understanding, LA is spread out quite a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. New York, you're very on top of each other. I mean, just with the, the skyscrapers, even you, you have multiple floors in a building that have different functions and purposes. Um, so I, yeah. And there is the scene um, later that I think kind of doubles back on this idea, but um, I don't, I, di- I definitely didn't hate the movie. Um, I don't know that it's like, I don't Pretty know if it came out today, if it would feel like a best picture winner. It also won best original screenplay that year. So two big categories. I think it's hard though, because like you said, it's almost 15 years later. We've watched mm-hmm. so many movies. We've consumed so much media. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's possible that maybe at the time, um, and the reviews, like it has a, um, positive metacritic it's it's at 60 i mean it's not a great metacritic score but it's not bad 69 um you know there's a couple of hundred reviews uh i mean some are small small potatoes but um there's some scenes in the movie though that i i was really not okay with um i was also uncomfortable and i i definitely feel like they want us to be uncomfortable with the racism and it's sad that this movie is uh 14 years old and some of the elements of the racism still are, are issues, like the police especially have been a big issue. Now, I'm not saying police are racist. I'm saying that has been a very common topic right now um, in the last couple of years still. And it is, you know, a shame that things that are 14 years old are still little a concern. They've changed. Yeah. Agreed. And um, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uncomfortable conversations. Um and they're not even, I mean, they are uncomfortable, but they're not even as extreme as they definitely, they, they could have been way worse with like the, the slurs and stuff. I mean, there, there are some slurs in there, but they're, they're not as over the top. Some of it, some of the racism depicted in the film very much reminds me of the racism depicted in, in Get Out, where it's the subtle racism, the passive racism, where you say something that you think you're just being like, oh, look, I'm, I'm aware of other cultures, but really you're saying you only know these little elements and you're assuming that because they're of that culture that they apply and um i don't want to say what scene yet because it would be it could potentially be a spoiler um but i i don't know i don't know what the movie was explicitly trying to do with a lot of the things that it said like i and i've again i'm only two hours into this and i am sick so my my thought processing has been slow today to say the least but i do feel like um with all of that content, there needs to be a point. A and little I don't more know. cohesive. Yeah, and I don't, maybe that, you brought it up, maybe the opening line is the point, that we're all just looking for some type of human contact, and if we had it, maybe we wouldn't be so uh, rough and bad and, and you know, awful. Um, and I'll, I'll make some arguments to that idea uh, as we go, because I'm just kind of processing it right now, but... Um, cause that, I think that will affect my long-term opinion of the movie. I think my initial reaction, it wasn't boring to say it definitely wasn't boring. It moves. A lot of stuff is happening constantly. I thought some of the scenes were a little cheesy and one part really upset me. And I will oh. talk about that in spoilers where I was like, I wrote F you movie on my notes because I was like, Nope, 
that's not cool. So <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in spoilers. But um, so I, I, it sounds like we're both kind of lukewarm on the movie. Uh, yeah. So let's see if we can uh, hash something out in spoilers. Guys, we're about to talk about Crash from 2004 in great detail. If you don't want spoilers, then you should pause us and go check it out. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. It uh, is on Prime. Uh, both the director's cut, which is only three minutes longer, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that was kind of why I was asking which one you wanted to watch, because it wasn't a big commitment, you know, difference. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But go check it out. If not, full steam ahead. We will be spoiling this movie for you. You've been warned. Okay, so I want to talk about Michael Pena's character, who is my favorite <gasps> character in the movie. Me too. Um, I, I just generally like him, but his character was... I think the only one who was constantly getting crapped on by other characters yet was a genuinely good person. Like yeah. he did <sighs> nothing wrong and everyone just kept assuming he was a bad guy cause he had tattoos and he was Hispanic in LA and the dude, he repairs doors for a living. That's his job. See Sandra Bullock really makes me hate her in that scene where she just goes on and on about having a gang member installing doorknobs in her house and she wants the doorknobs to be replaced again in the morning and he's standing like five feet away from her like he's he can going hear to go everything sell the copies to his gang friends and yeah I feel so I feel like that was very shitty of her and I was I was just really kind of speechless not that I was talking to anybody but I was just like kind of I was kind of taken aback by a lot of the things that happened, but mm-hmm. also I tried, she was being friggin' ridiculous, but she yeah. also was just mugged <coughs> and that doesn't make it okay. No, but it I does feel not. like it doesn't make it out okay at all, but I feel like your crazy gets heightened. Yeah. Well, and then I, uh, I'm going to come back to her because I think she might be the message of the movie that, uh, that actually you've already alluded to, but I want to, I want to, finish where I got upset with the Michael Pena thing because I was upset with how he was treated because again I thought he was a nice guy we see a really touching moment with his daughter when he gives her the so hard in trying to oh I don't want to interrupt you because I want you to say what you want to I want this is this is exactly what we should be doing um but like he comes home and she's hiding under the bed because they used to live in a really bad neighborhood and she thought she heard gunshots again and he's like no sweetie that's not here like we've moved away from that life like I'm I'm trying to protect you but what were you going to say? That, that he's he's obviously working so hard. And when I think it's that same night, I had already so quickly grown attached to his character. And then he, like, you know, puts her to bed. And then I think he locks her bedroom door. And then he left and got in the van. And I was afraid that they were going to change the character. Like, Make him a bad guy or something. Yeah, and I wasn't going to be happy. I probably would have stopped it right there. But he is working really hard. He works all hours. To... 24 hours on the the door. It says it on the van. Yeah, he he's just working so hard and trying to, like, give his family a safe home. And he, he, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, so the part that gets me, he, he works for, um, I, I don't have all the character names memorized, but there is a uh, Persian family that is constantly being accused of being Arab, and there's a lot of like 9/11 hatred being flung at them early in the movie. Um, and it's a, a father and father owns husband and wife own a store, and they have a daughter who I think is the doctor, but mm-hmm. I wasn't a hundred percent on that, like because there were too many characters in this movie, so I got lost with a couple of people. But 
Um, I think that's because everybody's connected somehow. There's always some weird little connection. And I think that was the connection she had with um, with uh, Don Cheadle's family. I think she was the doctor that showed the, the, the body of his brother at the end of the movie. Um, I think. I'm not 100% on she that. She is. But, okay. And so... Um, Michael Pena's character is repairing the back door of their shop, which apparently had been kicked in or something. And the door is busted, but he's fixed the lock. And in fact, no, he's replaced the lock because the lock was busted. And he's trying to tell the guy this. The guy's getting mad at him that it's your responsibility to fix the door. And he's like, I don't make doors. Like, I put locks on doors. Like, you, someone else has to do the door. And the guy's just yelling at him, trying, you're not going to rip me off. And so the guy doesn't listen to him. Michael Pena doesn't charge him and leaves and this the guy's store gets broken into and it's all destroyed every they lose everything and because he didn't do what the doorman said the insurance is going to deny them a claim so he takes the gun he bought at the beginning of the movie and goes to shoot him right and that's the classic screenwriting if you show a gun in the beginning of the film you have to use it by the third act that is traditional screenwriting it's called Chekhov's gun mm. Yeah, and if you if you show and it's not literal about a gun. In this case it is though. It's a literal gun. It's it's any idea if you focus in on an object, then that object must have some relevance later in the movie. You know, that's traditional writing. So when I see the gun in the beginning, there's a whole thing they're buying the gun. It's blatantly obvious that it's going to be used somewhere. And then even after the robbery, the first thing the daughter says is where's the gun? Did someone steal the gun? Nope, it's safe in the drawer. So he takes the gun, he finds Michael Pena's uh, name, he finds his address in the phone book, goes to his house to shoot him, because it's his fault. That, well, at least he's going to hold him up at gunpoint. Maybe shoot him if he refuses to pay for the store, I guess is what he's wanting him to do. And Michael Pena's daughter runs and jumps as the guy pulls the trigger, and she's shot. And that's when I wrote F.U. Movie, because she's not shot. And I guess if you are more familiar with guns, maybe you would have known that when the daughter bought the gun, she got a free box of bullets. And the guy was a real jerk about what bullets. And she just picked the red box. And he goes, you know what those are? And she just snatched the box and leaves. Apparently, they're blanks. I did not know that. I don't know if other people would have known that. Like, I don't, Are all blanks red boxes? Like, I don't know I don't, if that's a law. Like, I have no clue. I don't know. Uh, I thought it was going to be something since they were so insistent at the beginning and she wouldn't even listen to what they were and he's like being an ass and naming Mm -hmm. off all these and he was already a jerk and talking about everyone keeps calling them Arabs yeah and they're Persian that the the mom explicitly says that to clarify that it's not it's bad enough that they're being not they're not just being called Arabs they're being called every Arab slur that I've ever heard or at least it's being written on the wall and then, and to add insult to the slurs is that they're not even Arab in the first place. So these slurs are being misdirected. Uh, they shouldn't be directed at all, but they're being directed as if they're one race and they're not, um, or one ethnicity and they're not. And so you kind of understand why he's so he's losing his mind. He's losing everything. He's been, you know, uh, we get the we were told that his wife was attacked, and that's I guess how the lock was broken. So, and that's why he wanted the gun was to protect his wife. Um, so, but we think for a solid moment that Michael Pena's innocent little child has been shot and it would have been, I would have been upset if Michael Pena had been shot, but no, it's his little girl and it's the most dramatic and maybe heartbreaking moment. Definitely in this movie. What's that? 
And after they moved to a safer neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And well, the scream, though, that he lets out when he thinks his daughter's been shot is so heartbreaking and upsetting. And, um, you know, it's it's just like what a cheap trick, you jerk of a movie to do that. Um, And I'm glad she's I'm grateful that they didn't kill a kid. Uh, the guy didn't kill anybody. He doesn't go to jail. Michael Pena just goes inside and they lock the door. Um, but man, that, that whole sequence, I was like, you jerks. Cause I was already upset that Pena might die. And then like that happens, but it's supposed to be, I guess, like that revelation that, you know, these two both have now had their lives changed forever because Michael Pena thought he lost his daughter. His daughter thought she was safe because he gave her something. And so she thought she was invincible, and the fact that she didn't just die only proved it to her, which is kind of cute in in a way if you can look past the fact that he just pretended to kill a child. But, uh, um, but yeah, that that definitely was upsetting to me. Um, and then Sandy, it cuts from that scene that upset me more than anything to Sandra Bullock venting on the phone about being upset all the time and everything, and then slips down the stupid steps, which felt really fake and like you know a little too crazy to me that she like falls down the steps i don't know what did you think of that uh i mm, i didn't i can't even remember she was on the phone with someone and then Uh i think that she told them that she'll call back or no did they put her on hold they got off the phone with her they said they had to take a call or something yeah so mm, i don't know i think that that was like her revelation well, so, um, did did you have anything to add about the, the fake daughter shooting, by the way, before we move to the next thing? I was upset, and I was waiting for that to just be, like, him, like, <laughs> break down, and so I'm glad that that's not what happened. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Um, I, I did love his character, too, and his whole family. And you see his wife, like, running to the door. Because yeah. they're... I can't even remember very well. Like there is a, a, it sounds like a gun's going off. I'm not very familiar with guns, people, but it does sound like, you know what I, doesn't it? What the the gun? A blank. It did go off. Mm-hmm. Uh, blanks okay, are, blanks are real bullets. They just don't have have the gunpowder. They have the gunpowder. They don't have the bullet. I don't. Oh, I'm not good I, with terminology. They don't have the the thing that shoots. It's just a casing with the gunpowder to make the sound, but nothing. Okay. No projectile. Okay. Cause we I sound see... really dumb, but <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah, that just seen. Oh, and how fucking composed? Excuse my language, I can cuss on this one. Is he when he just walks inside too? Well, he's. I think he's Upset in complete and shock, and that like, cause when he starts, cause they, they they don't rush that. I thought Pena actually again, Pena really impresses me. I don't even know if impresses right. I just expect him to be great, and he generally is. Um, he's he's always got a sense of comedy about him. Um, or like not in that scene, but like earlier, but that, that scene super well, well acted. The screams a bit much visually, but because of what I thought it was, I think I might've even looked away cause I was like, no, no yeah. freaking way. This guy just wrote this girl to be killed like this. And then I was even more upset. Like, I'm glad she's not, don't get me wrong, but it's also like, why would you put me through that? Like, what are you doing? Like, and like, yeah, I guess maybe I could have known that they were blanks if I knew like the secret red box rule but and I, again i don't know if that is real or not but um mm-hmm. all right so you want to talk a little bit about sandra bullock though because that's where i think our theme is going to play a factor yeah so she's she says on the phone before she falls down the steps 
that she is uh, just feels angry. She's always angry. It's not just from the, the carjacking. It's just in general. She doesn't even know why. And then she's like blown off right there. That's pretty much where the woman cuts her off. Now, when she she falls down the steps, it takes a while before we find out what happens. Apparently, she's fine. Maybe sprained her ankle, I think they said. Um, and the maid is uh, helping her sit up to drink her tea or something. And the maid's like, you gotta like lift her up and then she just hugs the maid, right? Mm-hmm. Just like squeezes her. And I think that is that touch thing again. Because she'd been rude to the maid from the get-go, right? But here, she needs human contact. And so, even though the the maid wasn't hugging her, she latches on. And the maid looks a little like, okay, this is weird. But goes with it, you know, because this woman's been through something, been through a lot in the last 24 hours. And while she's dumb and, and bigoted, maybe all sh- she's only that way because she's so distant from everybody. So I'm trying to make sense of what the movie's message is. She's that we awful need to, be to closer. everybody. She seems awful to everybody. and like She's even awful she, to her husband. She but, does seem that way. But again, I feel like so much of that, that scene with her being the most angry was right after that happened. And I'm not saying that it's okay, but you know what I mean? I don't know how... Yeah. I don't know. I don't think those things would come out of my mouth, but, you know, if something like that happened, but I can only imagine that I would be my whatever would be heightened. Um, but I also, I want to go a little bit back because yeah. when they're getting mugged, we, first we see Ludacris and his cousin, I think some, I don't know. They're walking out of a restaurant and he's complaining <laughs> about people being racist to him mm-hmm. and oh, well, black people don't tip. Well, how much did you leave? I didn't leave her anything. She didn't do good service. Didn't yeah. give us good service. And all of this, and it's like, why are you... <sighs> I can understand not tipping well because you don't get any service, but he's complaining about things that they didn't want anyways. Well, there's a lot with that scene that bugs me. Um, one is, uh, it is, it's... You're saying all these things about, you know, people shouldn't be racist and people like he because he sees Sandra Bullock and she like tightens up on Brandon Fraser's arm. He's like, see that white woman sees two black men walking in, in a neighborhood and she's scared. Like, look at all these white people. I should be afraid. And I'm like, OK, this movie's saying something intellectual. But then he makes them carjackers. Yeah, it's like do I said, do not perpetuate the stereotypes you hate being placed in because it's like, how are you going to complain about all those things and then do them? And there is there is definitely a sense of irony, and of course that plays throughout the film because that cousin has the little statue, and then later he gets a, he hitchhikes with Ryan Phillippe, and Ryan Phillippe, who we need to talk about with Matt Dillon, um, he's partners with Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon is a super uber racist cop who uh, we see multiple times make very blatant racial statements, like mo- mainly to uh, Sh- I think Shaniqua was the health insurance. Um, representative that he multiple times is super racist to, but then he harasses Terrence Howard and his wife, Ter- Terrence Howard's wife, not Matt Dillon's wife, and like in a horrendous way. Um, later, I guess he redeems himself because he rescues her, but not really. And they don't really go into that at all again. And I thought that was weird because like she's rescued, but is at home that same night, like, and the, no one called the husband ever to like let him know his wife was in an accident yeah that's what i was wondering too and he is such a shitty person but he could have just let her die in the car he he does he fights to get her out to get her out of the car like everybody pulls him out of the car and then he's like oh no um i don't know because he that could have kept him out of a lot of trouble 
Yeah. Oh, not, yeah. You're, not, you're right. Not that, you know. I mean, I feel like you can only do so many bad things before it all catches up with you, either because everyone else takes notice or someone's ready to finally speak up or you mess up and you make a mistake and you don't cover all your tracks. So... I uh, I don't know. Well, in some ways, I was reminded of three billboards um, with his character and Rockwell's character that are both racist characters early in the film. We see them do some despicable things. And then it seems like by the end, we're supposed to have maybe not like them, but have like they're more complex than just their racism. Like there's more to them because he saw her, like you said, getting rid of her would have been beneficial because then she couldn't make any complaints. She couldn't say anything, even though it, it seemed to imply that that's never going to be a concern anyways, because the way the police department's corrupt and everything. But yeah, <clears throat> but still no one would have known that he didn't save her, you know? And, exactly. And if he wasn't there, I don't feel like anybody else would have gone back in the car to get her. No, they pulled him out and he dove back in and said, pull me again. And he had her, and I was so shocked. I thought for sure either they were both going to die or she was going to die. And they both make it out. So, I mean, it is, it's, it's a movie that, again, I don't know for sure what its intention is because we see him be despicably racist. And then we see Ryan Phillippe, who is d- disgusted by it but does nothing, right? He lets it happen. He then doesn't want to report it because he doesn't want to get, you know, stir up any trouble. The whole, you know, I'm the new guy on the force. I don't want other people because he doesn't know who else is on on matt dylan's side so he doesn't want to report it but he doesn't want to be his partner anymore and he gets kind of bullied in by keith david's chief character to uh say that he has a farting problem and wants to be a, a, alone which i don't know if that's a way to get to be a lone patrolman in the police force that you oh, i fart too much um but um ryan Phillippe later picks up the hitchhiker who is uh John Cheadle's brother, um, whose name I don't remember, and I probably need to try to look up in IMDb, but um, we see the hitchhiking goes wrong. He Ryan Phillippe starts exhibiting some racism because like, he has country music on, and the guy, there was an earlier scene that we're privy to. There's a lot of dramatic irony in the scene because we know a lot about this character. Ryan Phillippe knows nothing about this character, and um, the character has the same statue that Ryan Phillippe has on the thing, and that gets him laughing. Ryan Phillippe tells him to get out of the car. He goes to, like, you want to see what I'm laughing about? And he goes to pull out the statue, and Ryan Phillippe shoots him, thinking he's pulling out a gun. And then he dumps the body and burns his car. And, um... Yeah, I have no idea who this guy is. Um, Making it look like a carjacking, I feel like. Yeah, another carjacking. Because we heard earlier in the movie that they burned the, the navigator that they stole from Brandon Fraser and Sandra Bullock. Um... Or at least we were we heard them say to burn it but i was a little confused though about their relationship because ryan Felipe, whatever his name is goes to pick him up and the, the guy's like thank you so much for coming to pick me up way out here so you know what i mean i didn't i mm-hmm. thought that they were friends or something because he was uh. in i i didn't understand that relationship because he was in like his civilian clothes and he was in his own personal car you mean like when he picks up the hitchhiker Oh, I didn't, I thought that, yeah, okay, I didn't okay. see that he picked up the hitchhiker. Yeah, it, the guy was hitchhiking, he had his thumb I'm up. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what are you talking about, Corey? <laughs> just making things up, I'm making up my okay. own movie, we'll make a better crash, <laughs> okay. Um, well, and, you know, so Don Cheadle's character is kind of the, uh, he's clearly the main character, even though we spend time with all these characters, but we start with him, we end with him, um, 
and there is this kind of weird surreal moment because he's in that car crash but he gets out of the car crash and he's at a murder scene which i thought was like a weird like flashback or something but apparently no the i guess the car crash happened because the two detectives stopped to see what was going on and a woman rear-ended them which felt really like for surreal when i when the movie started but by the end i was like oh okay i guess that's what what happened um and uh you know there's the whole his brother's been killed and then he's got this corruption thing with the da where the da wants him to lie about a, a fellow cop two cops one cop accidentally killed an undercover cop but the undercover cop looks like he could have been shady but the cop the white cop that killed the black undercover cop had already shot two other black people or something i don't know if there are other black cops or other black people so there was all sorts of you know evidence that could have gone either way and they wanted don Cheadle to say that it was clear that this guy killed him because it would make brandon fraser's character who was the da who has carjacked by two black men not look racist that's the whole premise and it's it's crazy because that's throughout the film this movie is constantly dealing with the idea of racism and um you know how it it, ex- it appears to exist everywhere even again ryan Phillippe's character is supposed to be offended by matt dillon's racism but yet exhibits extreme racism when he's with the hitchhiker but you know assuming that the guy has a gun assuming that the guy doesn't like country music assuming all these things about this character because he's black and yet not seeing his own hypocrisy for doing that you know um which of course matt dillon alluded to early in the film when he separated from him he told him you're too young you don't know who you are yet or something like that the longer you are on the force the more mm -hmm. and within 24 hours he'll kill a black man so there you you go found out real fast but um yeah i you know i the only other characters we haven't really spoke about um we've we spoke briefly about um terrence howard's character which i think this might be one of my favorite terrence howard performances um because he is the uh the black man who is uh successful he's a director and he is constantly trying to appease the the racist people around him rather than fighting against it like we see him with the cops he's very submissive the wife is why the wife gets you know upset because he doesn't do anything when she's harassed but Um, then it i oh but then i also think well what if he did you're right you're i think he's right and she even admits later that you did the right thing because who knows what would have happened but how could you let them do that to me and then there's the uh the, the tony danza moment as he's a director on a tv show he's very happy with the scene tony danza says i don't think that character sounds black enough and he makes him do it in a very like I don't know what Tony Danza's role if he was the producer, because um, that that's never really clarified if he's like the producer. I thought he might have been an actor on the show, but I'm guessing because how he kind of threw his weight around because he's like, do we have a problem? Do we have a problem? And Terrence oh, yes, Howard we b- have a problem. backs down. He's like, no, okay, yeah, we'll do it again. Uh, and you know, so eventually he has enough and he stands up to the police. Um, thankfully, Ryan. Well. He, yeah right again ryan Phillippe trying to make up for the crap he was involved with and that's um so the movie does play on the white savior trope a bit um both with him coming to the rescue of this black man who's going to be killed by these two police officers if ryan Phillippe doesn't step in and save the day and then you have the white savior character moment for matt Dillon when he saves the wife of terrence howard whose name i did not catch 
um, by pulling her out of the car. You know, like he comes in, I'm going to save you no matter what, despite all my racist crap and the fact that I felt you up and put my hand in places that were not appropriate. I'm going to rescue you. And she at first is like scared of him, like get away, anybody else, anybody else. But once she realized how serious the situation is, she, I mean, I don't blame her for, for conceding no. because you're going to die if he doesn't help you. But she also like he's like hugging her afterwards which i was really bothered by and i think that's the only two white savior characters i guess brendan fraser's character is kind of the white savior image like he is constantly trying to look like he's taking care of the people and we even hear him say but i'm gonna lose the black vote so he's you know concerned about that but every, every time that we hear about any I live in Idaho, and I don't even want to know what the percentage of white people here is, but anytime that we hear of a, an election at all, if it's on any type of big scale, they do talk about that. They yeah. talk about... Oh, no, no, for sure. That, that is a, that is definitely a political I, thing. I didn't feel like his character was ever <laughs> racist. His wife was. True. No, but he's, but again, like he, ever he represents the passive racism. Um well, it's more right. like acknowledging. So, the um, the mindset that if uh, he can't accuse two young black men who did in fact steal his car, because it'll make him look racist. So like he's aware of the image of everything, which isn't yeah. racism, but he is. You know, he's working a system by using other people's insecurities and and fears and doubts so he's manipulating pulling the strings to his benefit um and i i definitely don't think he's not on screen much right but um and it could even be just that he's not when his wife says those things he doesn't tell her she's wrong he says be quiet because the people can hear what she's saying like there's a uh, his assistant i guess is african-american then michael pena's character is in the house who she's mainly complaining about and i think there's an i think his other assistant or whatever is a white guy but um he's more concerned with keeping her quiet versus i can't believe you would say like because like if cat if my wife started spouting out that kind of crap i'd be like what the heck who are you you know what is going on um that's not gonna fly like i can't be with a person who has those opinions and that's definitely not what he's doing so even even if he doesn't agree he's accepting of her bigotry and that that says something too. It's again, it's like Ryan Phillippe's character watching Matt Dillon do the things, and even he does put Terrence Howard up against the car and handcuff him. So he's while he's not explicitly being racist himself, he's allowing someone else's racism to control the situation. That he could intervene, although it would put him at risk. So I mean, you could argue, well, he doesn't want to lose his job or he doesn't want to get killed. But it's like, yeah, but that's you know, that'd be like saying like. America not joining World War Two because, you know, we weren't a part of it. You know, I mean, like just oh, they're they're killing Jews relentlessly. That's they're fine. gonna cover it. Like you can't stay out of something like that. Yeah, so it's like when you you choose to stand idly by while it's happening, um, you're not. It's not the same level of guilt, but there's definitely a level of guilt. You know that you're you're allowing this atrocity to transpire, especially. If it's if you're really taking part, like Ryan Phillippe's character does in that moment, he does doesn't do anything to prevent it, nor does he like walk away. He he stays involved. Um, so it's you know the movie says a lot. Again, I don't know for sure if it 
says anything other than, hey, this is out there and it's awful. Um, and that's where I'm still kind of mixed on it. I'd like to read some other people's thoughts and uh, interpretations again, too, because I am I am a little out of it today. I, um, so I, I wish I was at my full f faculties uh, in order to better interpret what I'm seeing on screen. But I do think it's a competent movie. The storytelling is interesting. Um, there's a lot of solid performance. I thought Don Cheadle was really good in this. Um, but I was and, really uh, sad when we found out that it was his brother. Well, and how his mom... I, I kind of saw it was going to be his brother. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I didn't. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, I knew everybody was going to be connected somehow, and that that made the most sense. I knew... I wasn't sure if it was going to be him or Ludacris until we saw him dead, and then I, I knew it was going to be him. I felt like the crash was going to be more impactful. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? I felt like it was totally. going to be a way bigger part of the story. I was waiting for it to, like, go seven pounds or something. I don't I thought, know. I thought the car crash was going to be the thing that connects all these people. Yes, same. And it, it is not. Um, no. The cr crash is more of a metaphor for uh, our lives, like, crashing into each other. Yeah, it just wasn't what I expected. Mm -mm. Yeah, I thought a car crash was going... And it does start with a car crash, but and that's... The car that's crash like is in front of the, the... Yes, but it's in front of the place where his brother's been killed. Blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. You know, it's, it goes from there. Um and there isn't. There are a few car crashes because I mean Matt Dillon pulls uh, Terrence Howard's wife out of the car, you know, from the car. I thought crash. it was going to be like one crash. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I did too. But I mean, that's just us reading into a title um, more than we should have. But um, you ready to give a rating? I'm gonna have to look them up. I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> movie still. I'm I'm gonna go decent watch. Um, with a disclaimer that I probably wouldn't watch it again. Um. I don't. I don't think it was deserving of best picture. Although, I don't remember what we said last week was uh, nominated, but um, I remember I don't, Lord I, of the Rings. Yeah, was that for that one or was that for the other? I thought it was for that one, and then the other movies we hadn't seen. I'm I thought. Looking. Yeah, I, th I think that might have been for what we saw. What did we watch last week? Oh, Chicago. I think those Chicago was competing with Lord of the Rings. Um. I think it might have been Gangs in New York, but I'm not 100%. Oh, we didn't watch that. What? Gangs of New York? No, no, it, they, it didn't win Best Picture. Remember, this is, we are doing Best Pictures. Yeah, um, but I thought that they're, I thought. <sighs> well, either way. Jeez. So I'm going to go decent watch. What are you thinking? Um, I'm going to probably go with not a total waste of time. <laughs> I would not pay to watch this movie, and I wouldn't suggest anyone else does. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the best pictures from 2006. I have not seen any of the other movies, but it's Capote, <laughs> Munich, yep. Brokeback Mountain, and Good Night and Good Luck. Brokeback Mountain is the one that I've heard should have won. I plan on watching that this year um, for Movie Club, in fact. Hint, hint about the future episode. But um, For you guys, I've already got a rendering list that I can see at any time. What? Yeah. <laughs> But um, let's talk about next week. Do you know what we're watching next week, Corey? No, but I can find out. Oh, I, I do. I know what we're watching. Tell me. I, I okay. am. Uh, it's one that you picked that uh, oh, you've Jesus. never seen, which makes me very, very sad. But I'm very excited to get to rewatch this movie already. Um, and it is No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. Have You, you have not seen this, right? Because you, you not. put it. Okay. Um, no Country for Old Men won uh, the 2008 Best Picture nominees. Um, wow, I didn't realize that. Uh, it, it did very, very well. 
Um, I hope it did win, right? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, Corey, if you picked wrong, um, I can't believe what it beat. I do what uh, I want here. What did do you know mean? what it was up against? No. Um, Michael Clayton, which I I've not heard great things about that one, so I'm what? a little shocked at that one. I don't one. even know. Um, that's I believe George Clooney. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, Atonement, which I've been meaning to watch because oh, Saoirse Ronan's in that. that um, There's No Country. Then Juno, which I love Juno. Juno is nominated for Best Picture. And then the one that I th- actually had thought had won, but apparently I am wrong, is There Will Be Blood, uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. I think Daniel oh, Day-Lewis won movie. Best Actor. Oh, yeah. Paul Dano's in it. Uh, the milkshake Damn. scene is one of the most iconic. He's like the um, crazy preacher guy. Yes, he is. And then, uh, but No Country is easily in my top four for the Coens and might be top three. Um, Mike it, might, it might be top two, but I love the Coens so much. That needs to be filled out. But I love Woody Harrelson. I love Kelly McDonald. Like, I'm looking through this, and I mean, of course, Josh Berlin, Javier Bardem, mm-hmm. and Tommy Lee Jones, and I haven't yep. even gotten all the way through. I'm just like, holy hell. So you're welcome. I I, I actually, um, my plan, because I'm going to be at South by Southwest, uh, I think I'm going to watch it the Saturday that we are going to record. In the morning, I've already downloaded it on my iPad. Um so I'm going to be able to watch it. It is not available to stream for free anywhere. You will have to rent or buy. It is on sale, though, right now. Um, most of the digital platforms, iTunes, Vudu, and I think Amazon all have it for $6.99 right now Ooh. Um, to buy, not to rent, to buy. So it's a really good – I say it's a blind buy. Um, if you're out there listening, you're like, I've never seen No Country for Old Men. Buy it. It's amazing. Um, I've heard a few people not like it because the ending is a little – it leaves you uh, with the, the ability to ponder and wonder. But – that's what we're going to be watching next. Um, you can follow us on social medias. I'm at Burke Reviews. At Crazy Cat Lady. No, I'm kidding. At Corey R. Star with two R's on the end. And uh, you, you can read all of my reviews and anyone else who writes for us at BurkeReviews.com. B-E-R-K Reviews.com. And uh, listen to some of our other podcasts. Uh, there's the Burke Reviews um, Top 5 Movies. That's a part of this one, which is part of our movie cast. And then we have uh, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And the Rough Cut are also part of the Burke Reviews family of podcasts. Um, and I got to always rep my friend uh, Craig's podcast, Music Musing. I highly recommend I cannot get enough of that. Corey, I'm telling you, you need to listen to it because it's all about music. And I think you would even be a good guest on their show sometimes. So. Hey, Craig. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, I do recommend that you check that out and uh, give it a listen. It is, it's okay. good entertainment. The Super. first couple episodes audio is a little rough but it gets better in episode three but the subject is great in all of them so i i can't stress enough (coughs) all right folks that's it for this episode we'll be back with our review of no country for old men next week as we continue watching the best pictures that we have not seen Bye. bye everybody hey everyone it's john burke you know how much i love movies and if you're listening to this podcast there's a good chance you love movies too And what we do here at Burke Reviews costs a little bit of money. It doesn't cost a fortune or anything, but none of us are rich. And that's where you come in. You can support BurkeReviews.com by either subscribing to our Patreon, where you can give a set amount to us monthly, a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, and ten dollars. And we're not asking you to just give us your money. You get perks for uh, signing up on our Patreon. You can go over to Patreon.com slash BurkeReviews. And see exactly what those perks are. You can go to BurkeReviews.com and click on the Patreon link and it'll take you right there. Um, But if you're not willing to commit to a monthly donation, which we totally understand, 
there's an option to just donate one time. Uh, if you go to BurkeReviews.com, on the right side of the page, you're going to see a donate button. And through PayPal, you can donate us any amount of money you wish um, for doing that. We will read your name on our uh, the next episode of the podcast, whether it's Burke Reviews Movie Club or Top 5 Movies after the donation is made. Um, with uh, our truthful, heartfelt thanks. Um, not to mention that one of the the perks of being a subscriber is you get um, your name on our website as a uh, supporter of BurkeReviews.com. Um, it's hard to believe it's already been two in, two years and we're into year three already. Um, you know, we love what we do and we hope you love it too. So thanks for listening. Um, thanks for the support. And back to this podcast. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. Burke